So would you pray with me before we get into this message? Lord, I pray that this is your word. Lord, we're here because we want to know who you are. And so, God, I pray that as I, as I teach, God, that I don't teach my opinion, that I teach just truth of who you are, um, and that our hearts are ready to hear it and receive it and be changed by it. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, this might be new to, to some of you guys, but what I like to do as a pastor, this has been something I've, I've done as long as I can remember, is once a year, kind of around that New Year's time, for most of us, New Year's is that time where we think through, what do I want this year to be about? Is there something I want to change? Is there something I want to emphasize? Is there relationships I want to make sure I, I get stronger? Um, and, and we think that through. And so I always think it's a perfect time as a church to just... Me as a pastor be able to say, here's what I think will be an emphasis for us this year. It's not usually big. It's not dramatic. So don't be scared of like, I'm, I'm presenting some crazy thing. It's more of just to have a vision for this coming year. So we all kind of know, hey, this is something we can pay attention to. And, and this is very biblical because a, a vision the Bible teaches us is what kind of keeps us all together. Now, I want to be clear, as a church, there's always going to be certain things that you do every single year. Like you're, you're going to teach the Bible. You want to make disciples. You want to encounter God. So it's not like, well, this is going to be the year where we actually teach the Bible. Like those are things that are every single year, hopefully. But there are certain things where we can say, hey, I feel like this is something we should zero in on this year that we as a church can kind of look at. And what that does is that holds us all together. Vision is one of those things that holds people together. And I want to bring you to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And this is the NIV. And it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Now, this is one of those verses that's really interesting because if you look at the NIV versus the King James, they almost feel like they're saying different things because the King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, that seems like a very different verse. You have, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraints, which seems good, right? We're free. We get to do whatever we want. That's a good thing. And yet that same phrase in the King James Version is translated as, as people perishing. So we have to kind of start there and figure out what is, what is this verse actually saying and is it good or bad to not have vision? Well, it's clear when you read the scripture that vision is something that binds together. So it's, it's something that holds everybody together. And, and any of you who have been on a team of any kind probably knows what that feels like, where, where the coach is able to say, here's what we're going to do. This is our emphasis. And everyone rallies around it. And it keeps each player from trying to do whatever they think is right in the moment. Have you guys ever been on a team that was like that? Where everyone just did whatever they thought was best and nobody was unified. It doesn't work very good. And so having a game plan, having... A vision allows everyone to get on the same page. And that's where that word restraint means. It's when we think of casting off restraints, we think this is good. This is freedom. But what you have to understand is that we as people are made to be in a group together. We were made for harmony with other people. We were made to get along. That's where if, if you even look at the physiology of our brain, the, the vast majority of our fears and anxieties have to do with getting kicked out of the group. 
That's what at the core of a lot of our core fears are don't kick me out. Don't exile me out of the group because we, we really know we were made to be in tribes. We were made to be in groups. That's from the, from the very start. It said God saw that Adam was alone and he said that's not good. And so vision is what holds us together. And where there is no vision, nobody stays together. Everybody just starts, you know, kind of doing whatever they want. And that might sound good, but it actually causes our demise. And that's where if you look at predators, what do they look for? They look for an animal that has left the group. And that animal, as soon as they've left the group, is the next one to die. And that's really what the Bible says is once we disconnect, once we're like, I'm just going to do whatever I want, Ruin follows because now we're easy prey. And so what, what, what the Bible tells us is, is having a unifying vision holds us together. It actually protects us. It gets us on the same page. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that I'm the only one who hears from God or that I'm the only one who could possibly have vision. But I do believe it is part of my job to say, hey, this year as a church, let's focus in on that and let's, let's get a focus for us to look at. And so that's really what, what this is. I do this about once a year, usually around New Year's, just to say, hey, this year, I think we're going to focus in on this. And again, usually it's not overly dramatic. It's not overly crazy. It's just, it gives us something to say, hey, let's focus on this, this year. Because if we're not held together, those, if you remember the armor of God and the fruit of the Spirit, Peace literally means to be tied together. That's what peace means. And when you're untied, that's where there's no peace. That's where you feel that division. So what do I, what do I think the vision is for the mill in 2023? What, what do I think would be a great thing this year for us to rally together and focus in on? And when I prayed about it, I just got one word, and it's the word connection. It's a, it's a powerful word when you think about it. Because connection is one of those things that we all have a very, very deep longing for, but most of us don't really know how to get connection. If you were to say, write down, give me instructions on how to make good connections, it's hard to know. That's a hard word to understand. And what's really interesting is when you look at the word connection in the Bible, when it's used, it is used most often with the idea of body parts being connected to each other. Especially in the New Testament, when the church is talked about, it's often talked about as a body that has a bunch of different parts, and they have to be connected together. And that's where that exact word is used over and over again, is body parts being connected to each other. Now, here's what's really interesting. If you look at the word connection in the Bible, what it actually means is to take hold of something and not let go. It's a, it's a verb. It's an action. It actually is used sometimes to mean to arrest something, to grab onto it. And what's really interesting is we tend to think of connection as an emotion. I feel connected. It's kind of like love. Where the, in biblical love, it's not a feeling, it's a verb. It's something you do. You go and you love. You don't feel love, you do it. And connection is the same way as, as, as most of us are like, I want to feel connected and I would put myself right in there. But biblically, connection is a verb. It's to take hold of. 
Now, I'm not saying that that's how we want to do it, that when greeting time, you take hold of somebody and you don't let go. That's not a great way to, to have connections. But we do have to understand that biblically speaking, there are things we do to connect. It is an action that we can take. And I've never believed more strongly that connections are, are so lacking in this world right now. And any time where the church can meet a need that's biblical, but that the world doesn't offer, great things can happen at that intersection. Because if the world is lacking it and we have it to offer, we can change the world because people are already hungry for it and we can offer it. And I believe connection is one of those things that we can do. And so what should you be connected with? Because here's what we have to talk about before we get anywhere else is I don't think that we have a problem with connection, with the ability to connect. I think we have a problem with knowing what to connect to. Because I think all of us inherently connect to things. We all grab hold on stuff and we try to make it part of who we are, just like a body part. I'm gonna grab hold of you and you're now part of who I am. The problem is we're not always the best at picking the right things to connect to, right? So I'm guilty of this. I'll, I'll watch a TV show and I'll connect to a character. Have you guys ever done that? Where when the show is over, you're like, I lost a friend, right? Like I was connected to this person. Like that person doesn't even exist. That's a fake person. But my heart knows how to connect. I just am not always the best at choosing what to connect to. And for each of us, it might be something different. Maybe it's a, it's a hobby or some other identity that we get or something where, where we are longing to grab hold. We're longing to make part of us, but we're not always the best at what we pick to do that. And if you pick fake things, if you pick things that are, that are lies to connect to, you're going to have a lot that you're holding on to, but you're still never going to have that true connection that your heart longs for. And so today with saying that I would love for our church this year to have connection be one of our big focuses that we try to do. The, the bigger question is, what is it that we should be connected to? What are the things that we should do that verb of grabbing onto and holding onto? And that's what I really want to talk about today. And the first thing that we should be connected to that I would love for us to be focused in on connecting to, and most of you probably knew this already, is God, right? I could ask, you know, kindergartners, who should we be connected to? And they'd all probably be like, God. But this is true. I want to bring you to Colossians chapter 2, verses 19. And this is where we're going to start talking about the body of Christ as the church. And this is what it says. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows and cause and God as God causes it to grow. So anywhere in the Bible where where it says that we're the body of Christ and we're connected to each other, it explains that Jesus, who is God, is the head of that. And if we're not connected to the head, we are going to be in trouble. I think you would agree that you could get parts of your body cut off and it would hurt really bad and it would not be a good situation, but you can survive. But if you are not connected to your head, that's it. Nothing else really matters if you lose that connection. 
And you might think, well, it's easy. Of course I'm connected to God. I come to church on Sundays. That, that must mean I'm connected to God. But here's the scary thing is it is actually really easy to lose that connection. Way easier than, than you think. It's like sometimes, you know the saying, like a chicken with its head cut off, right? How sometimes the chicken can have its head cut off and it still goes through the motions for a while. And it'd be easy to be like, it's still moving. It's fine. And sometimes we, we trick ourselves. And believe me, I know a lot of pastors. I know a lot of missionaries who have struggled with this same thing, realizing, oh my goodness, I've just been going through the motions and I've lost my connection to God. I'm no longer truly getting from the head of what I need. It's just me making movements. And, and this is one of those things where even the Bible is like, be careful, check and make sure, are you truly staying connected to God? Because it's, it's harder than you think. In the Bible, oftentimes when God speaks and how he leads is very gentle and very quiet. And if you're not listening, if you're not paying attention, you can miss it. And, and really, even in my own life, I've had to make almost a daily practice of, of asking hard questions of, am I connected to the head today, every single day? Am I, am I living from this idea that I have grabbed hold of God and, and everything I do is him flowing through me? This is what Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Jesus actually quotes this in Deuteronomy and he adds with all of your heart and all of your soul. It's harder than you think. It takes focus. It takes intentionality to truly find and connect with God on a consistent basis. That's where it's, it doesn't say you'll seek me and you find me when you give me five minutes once a week, right? It's like you got to search. You got to press in. But this is the one thing where if we're not connected to God, none of the other things matter. If you're not connected to your head, it doesn't matter how well the rest of your body parts are connected. Nothing's really going to work. This takes real effort. And, and you might be asking today, what does that look like? How do I connect with God? How do I put this effort in? And, and for all of us, it's going to be a little different. I don't think I can give you just a playbook to say, do this, do this, do this, and you're going to be connected with God. Because I think for each of us, he draws us in in a little bit of a different way. But I have yet to see somebody who said, I am all in on connecting with God. I want to experience who he is. And I'm going to, I'm going to, whatever he asked me to do, whatever opportunities I have, I'm going to draw in. I've yet to meet someone that was like, and I didn't find God at that point. That's where the scripture says, you will seek me and find me when you seek with all of your heart. And part of this connection with God is just being intentional. Even on like a, a Sunday morning, I know for me, I was coming to church on Sunday mornings for a while and just being like, ah, there's just nothing really here. And I remember somebody just gave me a, a really small piece of advice. They're like, why don't you try listening to worship music on the way to church and just kind of worshiping a little bit before you get to church and see what happens. And I know for some of you, you got kids in the car. It's probably, that's probably not gonna work and you're not gonna have a great worship service. But for me, adding another just five minutes of intentionality to say, this is something I can do to better prepare myself 
when I, when I come in on a Sunday morning to truly experience who God is. And like I said, for each of you, it might be different, but I truly believe what the Bible says and, and what I've seen is that if you just try, if you're intentional to say, I want to connect with God, I wanna know who he is, I wanna experience who he is, and I'm gonna press in and I'm gonna seek, I am, I am positive. I can't give you a time frame, but it will happen if you put forth the effort to be that. It's so interesting in Joshua, I don't have this verse up here, but, but before God did miracles for Joshua, he, he says, prepare to be amazed, right? We think that that was invented by magicians, but that was actually invented by God where he's like, prepare to be amazed. Have you ever asked yourself why magicians say that? Why they, they say to the crowd, prepare to be amazed. Well, it's because if you're not paying attention, you're not gonna see what they're doing. It's basically like, hey, watch. Because if you're looking at your phone, I can do the best magic trick on the planet and you're not gonna care. So that's my way of saying, hey, your job is to pay attention to what I'm doing. And I believe that God is constantly giving us opportunities to, to connect with him, to take hold of him. And that's where he told Joshua, prepare to be amazed, open your eyes. Look, there's opportunities all over the place to connect with God. And that's our job is to pay attention, to be prepared, to be amazed, to look around. And I truly believe, like I said, I have not seen one person who has gone all in to say, I want to take hold of God, to be connected with God, experience who he is, let him change my life and not had their life changed if they did that. So, so we have to be connected to God before anything else. We can't do anything else until we're connected to God. But the second thing, and this is the one that might be a little interesting, maybe you've never heard this preached before, but you need to be connected to yourself. We need to be connected to ourselves. Now, again, this isn't some feel-good self-help thing. This is biblical. I want to bring to you 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. And this is really the main chapter that talks about the church as the body of Christ. And this is what it says. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, why am I reading you this? Well, pretend we did this exercise. Pretend I gave you a, a blank sheet of paper and I said, you got 30 seconds to write everything that you're terrible at. All of your weaknesses, all of the things where if, if, if you had to do them in front of people, you would be embarrassed because you're just not very good at them. And I gave you 30 sec seconds to do that. Now imagine... I did the same thing, but said, you have to write everything you're great at. Write all your gifts. Write all the things you have to offer that you can bless other people because you've got these gifts in your life. Which one do you think you'd be better at writing a list of? Because for most people, they would have no problem with the first one. I'm terrible at this. I don't look right. I don't talk right. I don't smell right. I don't know everything. They'd have it all down there. No problem. And then what do you have to offer? Oh, man. Give me a minute, right? You see, this is the problem with, with how a lot of us think is we think in terms of I'm not, right? I can't play worship. I can't sing. I can't preach. I can't, I can't, I can't. The Bible says, yeah, you weren't made for that. That's fine. Your body parts 
are all different because they were made for a different thing. And and, and my heart, and I can read the heart of God, is to, instead of being like, well, I can't do all this, so I'm just going to hide because I see all these people who have gifts that I don't have, to understand you were made with certain gifts, you were made a certain way on purpose, and you have something to offer as who God made you. Now, do we grow? Yes. Do we become a a clearer, more accurate version of who God made us to be? Yes. But if you were made to be an ear, you're going to be transformed into a better ear, not a foot. That's not how this works. But so many of us live in that, is we see feet and we're like, I'm not that, so I must be worthless. I must not have anything to offer. And part of connection is once we know who God is, once we connect with God and we've taken hold, we have to allow him to show us who we are, how he made us to be. And that's where I'll say, if you're here, you have something to offer. Right now, you have something to offer this church. And it might not even be in some sort of official capacity, although maybe, but it's more of, Do you guys know each one of you, if you guys aren't here, it matters? Do you guys know that? Do you believe that? That on a Sunday morning, if you were to not be here, it would make a difference. All of you contribute to what the mill is. And if any of you are missing, it matters. Because you were made and you were put here for a reason. You have a gift and it's probably going to be totally different than the person next to you. And God probably didn't make you to be good at the same thing the person next to you is good at. I want to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is what it says. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what you have to understand is if you're here, if you believe in Jesus, you are part of a body and you were made on purpose— to be a part of the body, but you're probably going to be different than the person next to you. And if the person next to you is better than you are at something, that doesn't mean that you don't have value. That means that they're a different body part than you are. You were made on purpose. And I would hope that if you're here, you know what you have to offer. And that's part of connecting to yourself is to be able to look in the mirror and say, when it comes to the body of Christ, I have this to offer and I love that I have to offer it. And I love that if I'm not there, it matters because I have something to offer. And that's part of, of, of connecting. And this connection to ourselves, it's not necessarily a, a self-love thing, although hopefully you do. You are able to look in the mirror and, and, and not hate yourself. I don't want that for anybody. But it's a respect for God thing, is you respect the handiwork of God that he didn't make a mistake when he made you. It's not about you being full of yourself. It's you respecting the handiwork of God that he doesn't make mistakes and that he didn't mess up when he made you. I'm going to take just a couple phrases out of the two verses I read. This is just out of 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 2, verse 10. I already read these verses. And this is about you. God's handiwork, God prepared, God has placed just as he wanted them to be. Can you look in the mirror and say you believe that about yourself? Can you say that? That God has made you, that he has prepared you, and he has placed you, all three of those, exactly how he wanted you. That's the word they use, exactly. Not a plan B, not a, I made them all right, but they really messed it up, so I'll slap a coat of paint and say, this will be good enough. But that 
exactly that you carry that level of handiwork on you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has prepared you and placed you and made you exactly as he wanted? And what would it change if you believed that? What would it change about how you lived your life if you believed that? That yes, there is room to grow. But again, if you're an ear, you're gonna grow into an ear. You're not gonna grow into a foot. We have to stop comparing ourselves to different parts of the body and say, since I can't do this, I must not have the same value as that. Can you imagine if, if there was someone who was ultra skilled at sprinting and they were amazing and you're like, man, you're, it's, it's amazing the leg muscles you have. And they're like, it's all right, but my legs just don't hear very well. You'd be like, what does that have to do with your legs? But we do that all the time is we don't allow ourselves to offer what we have to offer because we're so worried about what we're not. And my, my encouragement this year is not only to be connected to God, but to be connected to ourselves to say, yes, I want to grow, but I want to grow into who God made me, not grow into somebody else, not grow into a body part that he never even made me to be. And so we connect with God, we connect with ourselves, and then finally we connect with each other. And this is going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. This is what it says. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We live in a culture of fierce independence and I'm the worst. I was just talking to a couple of people about it. I'm so bad at not even asking for help, but even letting people help me. I would be that person that was like hanging off a cliff by my fingers and someone would be like, let me help you. Be like, no, I got it. I'm fine. That's like the culture that we're built in. We are fiercely independent. We don't want help from anybody. We wanna be able to handle it all on our own. But do you know that that is not God's design? Like he actually designed us to not be able to do that on purpose. He designed the church as a body that needs each other. That wasn't an accident. He's like, here's how I want it. I want the body to need each other. Some of us would be like, why? I don't like that, but that's just the truth. We need each other. We need to be connected to each other. That's the design. As I said before, that's, that's how God made us. We're, we're, we're pack animals. We need the help of others, even if it's not with physical needs, just emotionally to know we've got people who have our backs, who understand what we're going through. That is, that is how we were made. That's not an accident. That was God's design. And I often ask myself, why do we buck this so much? Because I know I do. I'm always like, no, but I think I'm special. I think I can do it on my own. I think I can do everything without any help. And I think I found my answer in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And I want to bring you to this. And this is what it says. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now that sounds like a really nice verse, right? Like this is great. Like we as Christians, we, we encourage each other. We kind of help each other do good things, except for the problem is that word spur each other on doesn't mean like nicely encourage. It actually means to jab or to provoke somebody. Like those of you who have siblings, you know what I'm talking about? 
where you're trying to like get your sibling to do something and they're like, no, so you just keep annoying them and jabbing them and poking at them. Like do something, get going. That's literally what that word means. And it's used most of the Bible as a negative of like somebody doing something nasty to somebody else. But it's this idea that part of being connected to other believers, part of allowing other believers in your life is to allow them to jab and poke you to action. Because we, let's just be honest, we like comfort. How many like comfort? I love comfort. And sometimes we need another believer to poke and prod us a little bit to say, hey, I see more in you. I think God is calling you to more than what you're doing and to really kind of get in there and call you out to more. That's why the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, that's not a comfortable thing. But this is why we need each other. But this is also why we try to back away from this. Because sometimes it is not comfortable to have other people in your life. Right? Am I by myself? Okay, I see a couple head nods. All right, that's right. And so it's easier for us to say, I'll just do it on my own. I'll just do it on my own. Because it's easier because we don't want to have to deal with the sharpening and the poking and the prodding and all of those things. But ultimately, you have to know that that is God's design is for you to step into what God's calling you to do. You need other believers in your life. That's just a fact. There's no way around it. If you want to be what God's called you to be, you need other believers in your life. That was his design. And you need to actually let them in. See, we're really good at acquaintances. We all have acquaintances. We talk the weather. We talk Packers. We talk Badgers. We talk all that stuff. That's not spurring each other on. And again, I'll talk Packers all day long, so don't feel bad about it. But do you have people in your life who are poking and prodding you to be more of what God has called you to be? to giving you those jabs to get you going to say, nope, God's got more for you. Those are who the Bible tells us to be connected to, connected to God, connected to ourselves, connected to other people. And we can't be the body of Christ if we don't have those connections. And I'm not here to say that, that we don't have any of those, but just in my heart, I feel like this could be a year where we really press into that, where we really press into truly taking hold of God and allowing him to change our lives and show us who we are, who he made us to be, what we have to offer. And yes, we're going to grow, but we know what we're growing into. We know the body part he made us to be. And then to be able to, now we know who we are, we can give ourselves to others, connect with other people. And that is a body of Christ that the enemy is really scared of because a body that is connected to the head knows what it is and is connected to each other can go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But I'll say you can't fully know other people until you know who you are and you're not gonna know who you are until you know who God is. And that's where we have to start there. And, and just as I close, the, the question I wanna ask you is, of those three, what connection do you think you want to put the most time into this year? What connection do you feel like maybe you're lacking on where you're like, you know what? This is a connection that I need to work on. Is it just simply connecting to God, truly experiencing who he is and letting him transform you? Maybe it's connecting with yourself, knowing who you are and stop beating yourself up because you're not a foot or you're not a hand when God never made you to be that. Or is it connecting with other people and giving people space of your life to do some of that poking and jabbing to say, come on, 
there's more in you. God's calling you to more than that. And what I'll say is if you're not sure, start with God. That's always a good call. Start there if you're not sure, because the more we connect to God, he will lead us through the rest of these. So that's kind of my heart for this year. Like I said, nothing dramatic, nothing big. But if you're like, hey, what, what's something I should maybe focus on this year? I think this would be a good thing. It's something I'm working on, and it's something I hope we all will. So if you guys will stand, I want to close in prayer this morning. Lord, I thank you that we are part of a body. God, I thank you that we don't have to do this alone. God, I thank you that number one, you are the head. And Lord, we can take hold of you and you grow us. That's what your word says. You are the one that grows us as we are connected to you, Lord. Your word says that, that you are the vine, we are the branches, Lord. As we stay connected to you, Lord, the nutrients that we need to bear fruit and grow flow into us. So God, I, I just pray for each person here, Lord God, that you lead them in that connection. It'll be a little different for all of us, Lord. Lord, that you lead them in their Bible reading that you read them and lead them in their prayer time, Lord God, that you make them fruitful, that, that they look forward to them, Lord, on a daily basis. They can't wait, Lord, because they feel that connection and they can see the fruit of being connected to the vine in that way, Lord. I pray that even on Sunday mornings that we come just excited to say, here's my opportunity to take hold of God even a little bit more, Lord, to be even closer connected than we were before. God, I pray that you teach each of us who we are, Lord God, in you, how you made us, why you placed us here, Lord God, what, what you're calling us to do, Lord, and that we won't look at other people and say, well, I'm not this and I'm not that, so I'm gonna go hide, Lord, that we would, we would have true joy and confidence in who you made us to be and know that we're gonna grow, but Lord, we're just gonna grow more into who you made us to be, Lord God. And God, I pray that you help us to connect to each other, Lord, to be vulnerable, to find people who can speak into us and spur us on to, to the good works that you're calling us that, that'll sharpen us like iron, Lord God. I just thank you. And God, I just pray that this church is more and more growing into the, your body, Lord God. I thank you for everything that has happened, Lord God, in this church in the past 12 years, Lord, to lead us up to this, how you've led us, Lord, and that you'll continue to lead us in this coming year, Lord. I pray that, that people, as they look at the mill, just think, wow, God has his hand on that church, Lord. We're jealous for your blessing on us, Lord. That's what we want, is your covering and your blessing. And we pray this in your name. Amen.